people are convinced by what they see first before what they hear. If they hear it and they haven't seen it, it's likely that they won't receive it. But if they see it first and then they hear it, they're, they're more convinced. Let your light so shine before men that they may see. We want them to see. They've been seeing it since Friday. I went out on Thursday night, went door to door, knocking on doors, and asked them if we could blow their leaves. They said, why would you want to do that? What does it cost? One lady said, what does it cost? I said, far more than you got. And then she, she just paused for a minute, and she said, I don't have a lot of time. You know, she was kind of irritated because I was playing with her. And I said, it doesn't cost you anything. She said, why would you do that? I said, because we want to say thank you for the neighbors because we've, we've parked in, in front of your houses on Tuesday and sometimes on Sunday, and we know that for some of you that's been a nuisance. Now, here's what I discovered because we've gone up and down these blocks. Most of the people say, we really, we really appreciate what you're doing. So there are people that are, that are concerned about what we're doing, and, and especially those that are closer. And so I was delighted. I went, I went first to the house down, uh, about three houses down here, Turned out that Tom and Karen had moved, and I didn't realize it. We used to play basketball together, and uh, they had moved, and in moved the pastor of of uh, Roseville Covenant. She said, "I know you, and I know what you're doing, and I really appreciate it." That was the first house. Then I went to the second house, which I've talked to them several times, and it's been been difficult because uh, you know we park park across the street from them. We have cars here. And I understand because if I moved into a neighborhood and I looked across the street and I saw eight cars parked in the driveway, I'd be wondering what's going on there. Wouldn't you? The cops were wondering when we first started. They came every week for, for several, uh, several weeks, several months because they were wondering too. And then I asked one once, I said, are you a Christian? He said, yes. I said, come on in. So he brought him in to Communitas and we prayed for him and he liked that. <laughs> he really did. He did. So, so Thursday we lined up some of the appointments, and then we went out on Friday, four of us, and we just had an absolute blast. And some saw it, some were away, and then we would go to other houses that see us doing it. We said, "Could we blow your leaves?" And they they would say, "Why would you do that? How much does it cost? What are you doing this for?" Well, then you have an opportunity because they asked. So they're going to hear why we're doing it. And I have the, the strong conviction that we're going to hear about this for years to come. And this is not what we're going to keep doing things. Erica said, why don't you let them play in your tennis court? We're the only ones that have a tennis court in our backyard. So we're going to put the word out. Hey, come and play. We've had neighbors that have felt free to do that, but uh, we want more to feel free to do it. So uh, I'm going to pray now. I want you just to bless this whole neighborhood. Wouldn't it be something? I had a picture once of them coming out of their houses at 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday and walking over here to be part of our community. So, Father, thank you for the gospel that's going forth in, in deed and in truth. And we do bless our friends. We bless the lady that said, no, you can't blow my leaves, but I'll ask you one more favor. Could you come back? She was lonely, and she was thankful for somebody that showed interest in her. So Karen's going to go back and take other people with her to go visit 
Catherine Lenz. We bless jo- Joanne, who was out blowing leaves after having had surgery and really shouldn't have done it. We said, don't do that, do that ever again. Here's our number. We'll, we'll do it anytime. We'll do other jobs for you. We want to help you out. And so she was thankful. I got to pray with her. And uh, we'll build that relationship. So I thank you, God, for what you did, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we'll give you a rake if you want to go today at 1. Kids would love it. All ages would love it. I just can't get over how I wish I'd done it before, but I'm glad I did it. We got a couple other things we want to do as we get ready for the message. Uh, Bob and Linda are getting a 501c3, and uh, it's about time. We love what they are doing. We love what they did in Uganda. And when they came home, I said to them, when I heard and saw it on their videos that they sent us, why are you coming back? Why would you stay here when you have such inroads? So we want to pray with for them. Just put your hands. If you're close to them, push over on Bob and Linda. We're thrilled that we could send them out. And <clears throat> I think some of you ought to give a check to uh, to to Lydia House and designate it for Bob and Linda because they'll need thousands for the kind of things they're doing. They're, they're raising the, the poverty level. They're, they're pushing that up so that people can do businesses, and at the same time, they're preaching the gospel. Those two together are powerful. And so we do pray for them. We pray for uh, vision, and that's followed by provision, lots of provision. We pray for Dowson. We pray that uh, we thank you for the gifts that came in last week. From, you know, one from a boy here who wanted to give to Dowson. And so we're thankful for that. We pray for uh, much provision for them as they now have this 501c3. We pray that the money will come in beyond what they thought could happen. We pray that Lydia House could be generous with them and, and give as has been given to them. And we bless uh, preparations for their next trip. We pray it will be fairly soon, and that you will anoint their uh, lips and their hands for uh, kingdom service in Jesus' name. One of you pray. Step out, Mike. Go ahead. Amen. Nice to be a, lo- a nice little house church and be sending out missionaries. That's pretty cool. Congratulations to Steve Harris. Where's Steve? Raise your hand, Steve. Oh, over here. His uh, new book booklet, The Christmas Story Play. I got an autographed copy. Ha ha. I know the author. So cool, Steve. 
and uh, Father, we bless Steve's right here. There we go. We bless it. Go ahead and clap. Clap, clap, clap. He and his wife are both writers, gifted writers, so we bless what God puts in your heart to do, and we pray that the word gets out. He's really fun to read. He's got a a fun style of writing and kind of tricky at times and sneaks around and gets you from the back. So congratulations on that. We've been praying, as we started last week, at this time for Josiah, and we want to have someone uh, pray for Josiah. Uh, Karst or Karsten, you want to come up and pray? They've been down for the whole week with their uh, with their cousin and their cousin's family. He was in a extremely critical, not just critical, extremely critical motorcycle accident, hit a deer, and it took out some of his uh, internal organs and adjusted them and tore, ruptured them, ruptured um, bones. And uh, now we're praying that today, this morning, in fact, that the circulation, if, if it hasn't already, we prayed and believed, and it, it probably is already there, but we're continuing to pray unless, until we hear so that they won't have to ampu- uh, take his leg. So uh, why don't you guys pray? And, uh, Israel had a chance yesterday to, he called the hospital, spoke to the mother, and was able to pray with Josiah still unconscious and do he prayed for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, the mom said that one tear just rolled down his cheek after he prayed with him. So it was like she could, she could hear even in his unconscious state. Kind of hard to talk right now because we're really tender because it's family for us. And so, uh, why don't you pray? Dear Father, we thank you for all the miracles you've done through the process of healing in Josiah. We thank you for the destiny you called him into when he was named Josiah, which means Jehovah heals. We pray that today you would continue circulation throughout his body and especially in his right leg as he is an athlete and it was intended to excel. And as you gave him two legs at his birth, he would remain that way until he dies. We believe that you want him well and completely healed and then he'd be able to use his testimony forever and the rest of his life. Good. Thank you, kids. I'm going to talk about generosity and, and giving. And uh, the reason I'm doing this is that I have the conviction. I've been convicted by the need to be more generous. That's why I'm speaking. Not We're not doing any kind of building fun. We're not going after something. Uh, as I, I see something like Bob and Linda, and I say, go after them, you know, give to them. So uh, I'm not doing this for any personal reason, but simply I know that there's a way of living that God wants me to walk into, and there's a way of living that God wants you to walk into that's way beyond what you've experienced and way beyond what I've experienced. I'm blessed in a, in a, in a specific and tangible way for those that I hear about that are, are, are blessed beyond measure financially, and then they choose simply to give it all away. I'm blessed by Rick Warren, who, who sold last, I heard, 34 million 
books. And you can say, well, yeah, he can afford to be generous. You just missed the point. Here's what he did not do. He probably sold 40 million. What does that mean? Probably 80 million. Probably 80 million dollars. Do you know how he changed his standard of living? Zero. He did not buy a new car. He did not go to a different house. Now, there is a, there's a mega church pastor in the East Coast that chose to do that, and he's getting a lot of criticism. Maybe God let him to do it. I don't know. He, bought a, uh, he built a $1.7 million home, and he's getting a lot of criticism within and without his congregation, and he said it was my money. I, I, he he uh, wrote a million dollar, I mean, a, a New York Times bestseller, and uh, so he used it. Well, Rick chose not to do that for whatever reason. Maybe God led them both in different ways. But, see, he's, he's pouring it all back in the kingdom. And so it has nothing to do with how rich or how poor we are. It's whether we're generous and we let the money flow through so that we don't become a reservoir, but we simply become a channel. I'm, I'm really burdened for young adults that you get this because you don't wait till your older start giving or you may never give. Mike Bickle started giving when he was 18, and he tested God by going beyond his means. Do you think it's, do you think it's, uh, it's, it's wise or prudent to give beyond your means? Think about it. Don't answer it, because I don't want to embarrass you. But uh, I want the kids. Kids, I want you to come up close here, because I want to talk to the kids of all ages here. Yeah. If you're if you're under fourteen, let's say let's say, pre, yeah. <coughs> okay. What do I got here, kids? How much? Two pennies. Is that a lot or a little? Okay. So what would you think if I put this in the offering plate? Would you say, "Wow, Pastor Paul really is generous"? Why not? You would. Thank you. <laughs> you know, we are really blessed in our family. I could do this for the next week and give it every day and week, and it wouldn't really hurt me a whole lot. Can you believe that? That's how much we got. We got a lot. So, so why then did Jesus bless a woman who gave Oh, did you hear what she said? Is this all I've got? I got a lot more of these, right? So for me to give two pennies wouldn't be much. It wouldn't be an offering that God would say, way to go. But Jesus saw that offering and said, way to go. Now, here's what I want you, you to think about, and I want them to think about it too. If you knew somebody that was about ready to give their last. Maybe it's their last 5,000 or their last 100 or last 50. And that was it. That was it. They didn't have anything else to fall back on. What would you encourage them to do? Get a job? <laughs> that's, that's good. And maybe, she, I don't know if she had a job. I don't know if she was, is too old to work. But that's a good, that's a good thought. 
That, you know, that would fit a few people. What do you think? See, some of us would discourage that, wouldn't we? I think I might. God doesn't expect you to give beyond your means. God wouldn't expect you to give if this is all you got. Imagine this being all you got. Would you give it if that's all you had? Say if, if fifty dollars was all you had, you think you'd give it? You're not sure. You'll give a little bit of it. Okay, that'll work. See, he didn't. Some people gave a little bit, and he saw them. They were rich. And they gave a little bit. And he didn't say anything about their offering. But he said something about somebody who gave all of it when we might have discouraged them and said, hey, God doesn't expect you to give everything. God doesn't expect you to give beyond your means. Actually, we're going to look at a story today about some other Beyond, beyond what they had, not just what they had. Now, I'm not encouraging people to write blank, write checks on money you don't have in the bank. I think that's foolish. But I'm simply reflecting on the word of God that says, listen to this now. And now, brothers, he's talking to Corinthians. He had been there. He's planning on coming back, and he wants to come through and get a gift from them and take it where? Anybody, anybody want to guess? Where are you going to take it? It's a, it's a really big, beautiful city in the <coughs> Middle East. Yes. He's going to take it to Jerusalem. Why? Because they've experienced poverty. They experienced a famine. And he knew that this would create koinonia. It create a connection with these people in Jerusalem when these Gentiles who have more than they've got make a connection. Money is a wonderful connector. Last Tuesday, we said we're, we're raising money for Josiah's family because the mom's there not working, doesn't have money for the rent, and we want to pay her rent. And Rebecca next to me wrote out a check. There's several Rebeccas. It would happen to be a, one of those. And she wrote out a check and gave it to me and said, this is for Josiah. She's never met Josiah, but she made a connection. There's fellowship now between Rebecca. She's using her money wisely. I don't know if it was the last she had, but I thought, man, that's a neat gift. Somebody who's sitting right in this circle right here gave me some money last week and said, this is for Dowson. That was pretty cool. Because we announced that he's in need of money for a couple important projects. If we had it and he doesn't have it, why wouldn't we give to him? Can we in any way justify holding on to something we have when somebody else needs it more than we do? We'll, we'll look at that later. Okay, so listen to this. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Here's what their situation was. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. 
For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. I've got Bibles here. We're just going to walk through and review the part that we talked about last week. So if you don't have a Bible, I want you all, everybody, to have access to one. Because we're just going to read a few. And even beyond their ability. So it's not wrong. They gave beyond their ability to give, and God blessed them back. And so if you find yourself, and someone is telling you, I think that would be foolish to give, but God is, is inviting you to give, you're not testing your budget, you're testing God's. You're saying, God, I'm trusting you to come through. Evidently, that widow was doing just that, and her gift was memorialized for, for all of time. Then they, he says, Entirely on their own. Say entirely on their own. You know, when we give because someone makes us give, it's not really Christian giving. But when we give because God puts it in our heart, and the compulsion is not from someone on the radio, it's not from a pastor, it's from the Holy Spirit. That's real giving. Entirely on their own. How kind of God to give us the freedom to choose what we will give. How much did they give in the Old Testament? Do you remember? You guys, any of you guys remember? They gave sacrifices. Indeed, they did. They gave lots of them. What else did they give? It's called a, it starts with a T. It starts with a tithe, Yeah. A tithe literally means a tenth. So in the Old Testament, pardon? Yes, it does. So that's a, they, in the Old Testament, they were given a tithe. Plus, they gave it to festivals. Plus, they gave it to the poor. So scholars suggest that in the Old Testament, people gave average over 20%. In the New Testament, the tithe can be a good place to start. The New Testament doesn't teach tithing, but a tithing, I think, is a good place to begin. Do you know what the average is of evangelical Christians in giving? Two to three. Two to three percent. So apparently, we're way below the Old Testament. Way, way below the Old Testament standard. We haven't been encountered by grace yet. I trust that you're not there. I trust that you're beyond the tenth because the tenth is what God mandated in the Old Testament. He's not mandating in the New. He says, whatever you do, you do it deliberately. Think about it. And give generously. And I would suggest to you that if the Old Testament tithe was 10%, that we should be beyond that. Anybody agree? Anybody want to say amen to that? Okay, good. You're with me. In fact, they pled with us for the privilege of sharing. That word privilege, what does it say in your translation? In verse 4, they pled with us for the privilege. How, what, what? Where does that translate in your Bible? Favor. Favor. The word is charis. Charis is used five times in chapter five, but you'll only count four because it's translated favor or privilege here. It's grace. They pled with us for the grace. God pours grace into us, and if he's pouring grace into all of us, does that mean we're all generous? The reality is we're not, right? God gives grace to all of us. He pours it down upon all of us. 
are all of us generous givers? The answer is no. Because here's the dance between heaven and earth. God pours down his grace, and faith rises to meet his grace. And it comes together in this lovely dance that he initiates, and we respond to by faith and say yes to his grace. So we don't get credit. We're just responding in faith and believing that he's going to supply. But that's the dance between heaven and earth. We don't get any credit. God does it all. They're asking for the grace to share in this service. Something is happening in their heart, and they're rising up and saying, God, we want to give. We don't have much. They, they had Roman overlords that were oppressing them, and they had civil war going on in Macedonia, which is now Greece. Macedonia is on top of Greece. But they had all kinds of struggle. Had we been there, here's my sadness. Had we been there, I think we might have said, hey, God doesn't expect you to give in this situation. And they may have anticipated that because they were pleading, please don't cut us out of the chorus, of the privilege, of the grace of koinonia. We want to be included. How wonderful that they got it. See, grace or or, uh, giving doesn't tax your budget as it taxes God's. It proves his budget more than it proves yours. That's why, students, you can give when you're poor. Because it doesn't have anything to do with your, how much you have before you start to give. You give because God has been generous to you. You pray for the grace of giving. You connect it with your faith. You begin to step in. You take some risks with God. Not foolish risks like signing a blank, a check that you don't have money to, to back up. But pressing him like Mike Bickle did when he was a youth director. And he was doing a retreat. And people were saying... We want to go, but we don't have the funds. And he didn't know how to answer. And he said, sign up. We'll get you there. And he needed over $500, and it was the day before. And he had, who was he testing? He didn't have it. That's right. Did God come through? He, got, he came through so wonderfully that Mike learned that here's a place that where we can test God. Here's a place where we can go out on a limb, not foolishly, but for kingdom purposes, and it stretches, and it stretched him every time. So he developed a style. So when he married his wife, she didn't have that style. He was t- telling us publicly she was right there, and he had to teach her how they could live frugally, simply, by faith, And see God channel resources through them. Here's my question for you. Do you consider yourself a channel, like a river, or do you consider yourself a reservoir? What's the difference between a river and a reservoir? Yeah. You gave $75. Way to go. That's so wonderful. I love it when young kids learn how to give. I, we had some friends here, the Gouldsess, and their boys had worked for me in California when they were 16, and they'd always run to go pick up the rake. They'd all, they, they were really good workers. So they came here with their kids, 
And I said, I'm going out in the yard and work. And they said, we're coming with you. So the kids worked. They didn't know this, but I was going to pay them. So I paid them. I paid them generously. They tithed it. So the next day, they came to me and they said, here, this is yours. We want to tie this back to you for what you're doing here. Man, they're learning young. They were about 10 years old. And they're learning that you don't have to be 40, 50, 60 years old to be a, a giver. Way to go. Thanks for that, Hannah. That's wonderful. That's really wonderful. Parents teaching you how to, how to be a giver. I trust that out of this, some of you young adults will say, I'm going to begin. I'm going to exercise the grace of God. Unite it with faith. Just a couple more things, and then we'll break into small groups. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a What did you say? Say it louder. Kids if 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 it's it's actually is it's really fun to rake leaves when you're doing it out here. Sometimes it's harder to do it in your own house, but man, you go go over and do it for all these neighbors. Man, is it fun. If any of you are available this afternoon, I'll take you with me and we'll go do some do some yards. You'll have a lot of fun. Were you? Cool. Cool. Way to go. They pled with us for the privilege, the chorus of sharing in this service for the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. We talked about that last week. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Paul had already talked to them. Turn to the end of chapter uh, six, uh, 16, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. They had written to Paul, who had been in their church for about a year, and they'd asked him a bunch of questions. And as you're reading through, you can say, now about the matters that you wrote. And he takes them one at a time. Virginity and marriage in chapter 7. Chapter 8, now about food offered to idols. Chapter 12, now about spiritual gifts. Chapter 16, now about the collection. So they'd asked him about this collection. Now about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, that's Sunday, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up. It's deliberate. So that when I come, no collection will have to be made. Did they do it? They did. If, you're, if you look at Romans chapter 16, it says that he took collections from Achaia, Corinth, and Macedonia to Jerusalem, building that fellowship. It's such a, such a victory. i make one more point. So I urge Titus since he had early married the beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Giving is not spontaneous in the Bible. Giving requires deliberate thought leading to action. I encourage you, if you are getting gripped as I'm getting gripped, I got gripped, and so I talked to my wife. I wrote some things down of what we're going to do in the next year. 
because it's more likely to happen if it's deliberate than if it's spontaneous. You've all been caught. Oh, there's an offering. Oh, oh my. We really should give something. That's a good reason for giving. Can you picture the Trinity? Here's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're talking together. And Tim Bentley prays, Father, we need some help now. I, I'm out of work, and we need some help. And the, the son says, do you really think we should give to Tim? I mean, is he working hard enough? The Holy Spirit says, yeah, I'm not so sure. But we should keep our word, the Father says. That, that, that discussion doesn't happen, does it? Because God is not a, lo- a reluctant giver. The Bible says he gives generously. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. If you're evil, you know how to go give good gifts. How much more? God pours it on. God is far more extravagant than you think he is, and he wants to bless you in tangible, practical, physical ways if you're a river rather than a reservoir. A reservoir, the water just gathers. A river, it flows. And if you become a conduit for his blessings, like the Colorado River that that waters the Los Angeles Basin, then he can give it to you because he knows you're not going to hoard it and hold on to it. And you can become a channel for thousands and I believe hundreds of thousands so I'm suggesting that you think about this ponder it and decide how it's going to change your giving what you're going to do in the days weeks months ahead children young adults plan how much do I want to give how much is good how much would be really generous how much would stretch us if you're conservative Jesus looks at it and he's not going to comment on it like he did with the the religious people, because they skimmed it off the top, and that was not an offering that he wanted to memorialize. But when a person gave sacrificially, it reminded him of the cross of his own son. Though he were rich, he became poor. That for your sake, he mu- that, that, that by his poverty, you might become rich. When I divide up in groups in a, in a moment, but first I want to pray for those who are experiencing financial difficulty right now. And I want to believe that God's uh, got plans behind what you're going through and that he, he wants to change that. He wants to turn that for good. Raise your hand if you're in a place of, of some pressures and stress financially. Keep your hand up until there are people that are near you that can put their hand on you. Kids, there's somebody right here. Sherry, can you put your hand on Sherry? There you go. Anybody over in here? Anybody? Okay, we got one over here. Put your hand on them. You don't have to answer this question. Does God supply all our needs according to his riches and glory without condition? The answer is no. The Bible says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. We bless our friends. We know they do. But we pray that they might excel in seeking first your kingdom. We pray that in this season, there will be a surge of pressing into you at a time of need, which says we're trusting you to care for our needs as we look to you and put you absolutely first in every area. 
So our, we bless you with that uh, singular focus that said, I'm seeking his kingdom. And with that understood, we bless our friends with material provision. We bless them with a supply of your grace, concrete, a job where needed, food on the table, and ultimately is not so that they get a little more comfortable. It's so that they can be extravagant with others. And as we're praying for them, we're praying for our friends in the Philippines. 10,000 at this point who have died. What distress, what hardship, what devastation. What change in the scenery for many people. A lot of Christians in the Philippines. A lot of brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we pray that you, we would raise, you would raise up now your people to respond to this dire need. We know there are places, uh, as we uh, know last week was uh, prayer for the persecuted church. We pray for those who are in physical distress because of persecution. Churches being burnt down in Ethiopia and hardships that are way beyond what we could imagine. We pray that they could be comforted by brothers and sisters, knowing that people are praying for them, knowing that people are sending resources Knowing that people, uh, that people care and they're not just uh, concerned with their own prosperity. But they want to give it away so that there is equality among God's people. Let it be, O oh Lord. We pray blessing upon this congregation. Blessing upon our people. We pray that we would go way beyond what we ever dreamed possible. Because we are giving way beyond. And watching you pour it in the back door as we poured out the front door. Lord, we want to see needs of Dowson and Bob and Linda and many others met and more than met so that they themselves can be generous with what you have gifted them. Thank you that you are releasing us to a new place of giving to match somehow your giving to us. We trust you through Christ our Lord. Amen. So we're going to have a potluck pretty soon we're going to take a, a little time to just break up into small groups here's what i want you to do just start breaking now just quietly so i can i can keep talking I want you to talk about finances i want you to have someone else in the small group pray for you you pray for them regarding your finances and if you want to be a giver in a new way just say i want to i want to increase i want to learn what it is to walk in faith in this area so just spin around where you are, group of four, group of five, and just take, take a few minutes. We're going to eat at 12 o'clock, so we have about 15 minutes before we eat.